welcomes you false flag weekly news, the weekly news show that goes over everything that you really wish hadn't happened during the past week. I'm Kevin Barrett with E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars. Hey, welcome back, E. Mike, on the mic. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. All right. Yeah, always great to have you back. Uh, we're doing a sort of a, uh, what, a special approaching Christmas episode here. We have a, a heartwarming Christmas story at the end of the show. You'll have to watch for a full hour to find out what that is. So meanwhile, let's go through all of our obligatory disclaimers to prevent us from being prosecuted, persecuted, deplatformed, or perhaps beheaded. Uh, we do question everything here. And so if you find that disturbing, as the next slide points out, um, be disturbed. We're very sorry. And then finally, in our next disclaimer, I think this is the last one. We are not mental or medical health professionals. If you need to see one, go see one. Okay, we've uh, we've disclaimed. Now, here we are. This is our theme slide this week. And, uh, wow, it's, uh, it's November 2020 again. I'm having a flashback. Half the country was saying, if Trump wins, it's the end of the world. And the other half was saying, if Biden wins, it's the end of the world. And I say, wow, I agree with the whole freaking country for once in my life. Here I thought I was a marginalized dissident who never agreed with anybody, but now suddenly I agree with everybody. So, yeah, if either, either one of these creeps wins, we're doomed. And so I wrote in RFK Jr. for president, and now I'm really glad I did. Hey, uh, so, Mike, was, did I cast a wasted vote? No, no. Uh did you vote for Robert Kennedy? I didn't know he was up for election yet. Well, I, well, I just, I wrote, I just wrote him in as a protest. I will, I will vote for him when he runs. I would have voted for his father, uh, but I was too young, but, uh, I will vote for him. I think he's the man of the hour. Uh, he was doing this before it got to be the center stage and now he's the man of the hour. So, uh, are you, do you want to talk about, uh, the Nazis here? Is that the point of that? Um, <laughs> well, I, th I think this oh, is, uh, listen, first of all, before I ask that, why are you bad mouthing Hitler by associating him with, uh, Dr. Fauci? Why are you doing that? So are you asking me or are you asking, uh, RFK well, Jr.? That's, that's the, the, the gist of that, uh, little picture that I'm watching there on the, on yeah, the yeah, that, TV. some would call that an insult to the Nazis to be, you know, making a Fauci, uh, comparable to Hitler, but I guess that could be, uh, debated. But, uh, seriously, folks, the, you know, this whole Nazi stereotype about papers, please, and, and, you know, authoritarianism and regimentation and all that sort of thing does certainly apply to this medical totalitarian nightmare we're in. But yeah, maybe it is actually an insult to Hitler to compl compare it to him. The, uh, I think in order to understand the, the reaction, I think we have to go to Germany. And in order to understand Germany, I think we have to understand the ruthless form of social engineering that got imposed on Germany <clears throat> after the war. <clears throat> it is this that is responsible for the, uh, basically the sidelining of the Catholic Church. Catholic Church is to a large extent, uh, hors de combat, uh, in the COVID strike. And it all goes back to, Germany, social engineering, and the social engineering that got imposed on Germany first, then America, then the entire Anglo-speaking world. Because the one thing that I think we in common here is uh, Ireland, Canada, Australia, Germany as of now, what do these places have in common? They were all colonies, and they all have a colonial uh, inferiority complex attitude toward people who say, I'm in charge, you must do what I say. Well, and a big part of the social engineering, of course, is media control. 
And some are now suggesting, including Steve Kirsch, that the fact that these two new threatening variants that are terrifying us, Delta plus Omicron, uh, together, uh, if you, you've put them together, they become an anagram for media control. That's our next slide. So do you think that they're gaslighting us? Is this some kind of uh, sick joke? Who knows? Who knows? But I think that uh, Kennedy was uh, on target when he talked about the CIA. What does the CIA do? Are they involved in medicine? No, they are involved in coup d'etat. Coup d'etat beginning with uh, Tehran, 1953. That was the playbook. It's been followed faithfully ever since that time. And I think Kennedy is right in saying that this is a global coup d'etat to overthrow representative government. Here, here. Well, you know, I, I I agree with you that we could use a liberal Catholic president. It's just not Joe Biden. It's uh, it's RFK Jr. And now he's becoming increasingly notorious as the mainstream after a stunned period of about a month of total silence as his book captured the top of the bestseller list, suddenly now they are going on the offensive and trying to take him down with hit pieces, smears, and uh, attacks. And this uh, attack came out in, uh, I think, the Associated Press. Uh, Ron Unz was on my radio show yesterday talking about this. And Ron thinks that the most interesting thing about this, what is it, like 4,000-word media attack on RFK Jr. and his new book, The Real Anthony Fauci, is that half of RFK Jr.'s book is devoted to exposing what RFK Jr. suggests is the AIDS hoax, the complete hoax that HIV causes AIDS. So that makes RFK Jr., according to the establishment line, an AIDS denier, meaning he's probably also a homophobe and no doubt a racist to boot. So why didn't they attack him on that? Why isn't that screaming front page headlines? Why did the 4,000 page AP article not even mention the, the fact that RFK Jr. is an AIDS denier? Well, it's probably because they were ordered not to go there. Why would that be? Because he's probably right about AIDS, which makes Fauci even worse than our worst nightmares. <laughs> yeah, uh, this everything has a history. And if you want to understand <coughs> COVID, you really have to understand AIDS. You want to understand AIDS, you really have to understand African AIDS. You want to understand African AIDS, you really have to understand population control. All of these things have a history, and they build up to a certain point uh, in the in the present. Uh, I was in uh, Kenya in the early 2000s. I gave a speech there in which I said, "There, uh, I, I am an expert on AIDS, because I have a PhD in American literature and I wrote my dissertation on Nathaniel Hawthorne and AIDS is a fiction. And everyone was shocked and every little consternation at the hospital where I said that and so on and so forth. Then it turns out I go back to Kenya. I'm back in Nairobi, not only back at Nairobi, back at Catholic University, Eastern Africa, back in the same room where I spoke 13 years ago. And I said to everyone, how many people here woke up today worried they were going to die of AIDS? Well, no one raised their hand. So it, it's crucial. Kennedy has crossed a crucial threshold. It was dynamic silence. This is always the Jewish plan to silence dissent. It's dynamic silence. Once you reach a certain threshold, they have to switch, and then they start character assassination. And he's reached that threshold because it, his message has resonated with a large segment of the American population. 
Okay, so get ready for more hit pieces, attacks, and smears on RFK Jr. Meanwhile, those of us in the alternative world who are paying attention are uh, very much encouraged by his, his great work. Um, and here's the slide from my radio show uh, with Ron Unz discussing this hit piece. I thought it was great that Ron got out his terrific response to the hit piece just an hour or two after the hit piece itself appeared. Now, that's pretty good uh, rapid action. In the next slide, we see another terrific tribute to RFK Jr.'s work from Edward Curtin. I think he's one of the best uh, essayists on the Internet today. And Curtin points out that RFK Jr. is not pulling his punches as he accuses the political intelligence, media, media, money, medical, corporate, pharmaceutical conspirators of executing, quote, the controlled demolition of American constitutional democracy, the controlled demolition of democracy. Where have we heard that phrase before? And uh, as 9 points, he points out that the choice of those words uh, was clearly intentional. So RFK Jr., he, he knows the score with 9-11 as well. Makes me even uh, more um, pleased uh, to have voted for him. And I hope I'll get a chance to vote for him again when he's actually a candidate. Yeah. So what you're saying, I think, is that there these narratives are connected. Uh, I just went through the uh, the medical narratives, uh, the connection between the medical narratives but the uh, psychological warfare narratives, they're connected. And also the coup d'etat narratives are directed. And so if you want my humble opinion, uh, which is probably why I'm here, uh, I think that uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated with the collaboration of the CIA and that that was a coup d'etat. But at that point, Alan Dulles could simply, one phone call was all it took. Alan Dulles called up Walter Cronkite he said it was a lone deranged gunman, and that went out the same day, and that killed it for years. Mm -hmm. So we are reaching, as you mentioned, with um, the difference between Ron Unz and the uh, hit piece that uh, preceded it. It's minutes now, and it used to be years before the narrative gets debunked. Yeah, we're we're uh, getting quicker and, you know, gradually waking up to these things, which are, as you say, all interconnected. And as you say, the media is, is the key part. We mentioned that before. We'll mention it again now. And it's not just the, you know, conservative establishment sounding media, but it's the fake liberal, fake underground type of media. Uh, things like the Daily Beast, uh, the Daily Kos and Rolling Stone. These used to be supposedly countercultural uh, rags, especially Rolling Stone back in the 60s. But uh, we have a, a wonderful expose here by Dick Russell, uh, and he, I think he works with the uh, publisher Skyhorse that put out RFK Jr.'s book. And here's Dick Russell responding to this media onslaught just as it's happening. So, so he's on the on the ball too, just like Ron is. And he points out that the CIA has its fingers in all of these outlets, not just the New York Times, Washington Post, and so on, but also these supposedly sort of left liberal counterculture operations like Daily Cost, Daily Beast, Rolling Stone. And it turns out that Marcos Molitsas, uh, the founder of the Daily Cost, uh, was, he comes from a Salvadorian oligarch family that worked with the CIA death squads to exterminate uh, rebellious peasants in El Salvador in those wars of extermination. Uh, sort of like Obama helped the uh, torture murder of a million Indonesians during that uh, 1965 horror show. Uh, his, his mother worked for the CIA when Obama was a little kid in Indonesia, exterminating a million people by torturing them to death. These are the nice liberal people on the left in our society. Uh, and the CIA seems to own all of them. Yeah, well, they, they, I forget who it was in the CIA, but he said, called the CIA the mighty Wurlitzer. 
the Wurlitzer was that organ that they play in uh, department stores during Christmas and things like that. Okay, so they could they could play this and tune all over the world because they owned all of these media outlets. So everybody knew uh, that Time Magazine was basically the propaganda ministry for the CIA. C.D. Jackson was on the board of both the CIA uh, on the pay of the CIA and on the board of Time Life at that time. Okay, but who thought of Rolling Stone? Uh, Rolling Stone, that's the counterculture. And so what Rolling Stone's contribution to this is, is that they're, they're attacking Eric Clapton. This is like, uh, like the, the, the Muslims doing anti-Muhammad cartoons or something <laughs> like that. What is going on here? Uh, Eric Clapton was a, a certified guitar god. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine seven times. The yeah. undisputed master yeah, of It's like going guitar. to the Vatican and criticizing the Pope or, or me yeah. going to the left forum and criticizing Noam Chomsky. Yeah. So what did what did Eric do to deserve this? Well, he, he's not a deni- vax denier, anti-vaxxer. He got the vax and it paralyzed him. He couldn't play the guitar. His hands were paralyzed. And then gradually he came back and started to play again. And he did an anti-vax song. Uh, in collaboration with, uh, what's the other, the Irishman? I forget the Irishman. Yeah, yeah, name. Van Morrison. Van Morrison, yeah. And this, oh, okay, you're not a god anymore. That idol has to be smashed. Uh, this is clear indication that somebody's pulling the strings at the uh, Rolling Stone, and it's not the uh, aging rock and rollers who are all now in their 70s. And in this article, uh, it, it quotes Caitlin Johnstone, who points out, this isn't Operation Mockingbird, right, which was, of course, the CIA operation controlling the media in the 1950s. It's so much worse. What we're seeing now is the CIA openly acting as the media. Any separation between the CIA and the news media and, indeed, any pretense of separation has been dropped. So that's the brave new world we're in now, folks. Uh, well, uh, speaking of journalism and media control, how about this? You, you'll be fined now if you contribute to the wrong websites. The U.S. government, Treasury Department, our good friends at Treasury, our, our old friend Sigal Mandelker that we helped knock out of the Treasury perch in that little war uh, with those of us who like to visit Tehran uh, for conferences. Uh, well, now it looks like the Treasury Department is going to fine you $300,000 if you contribute to the Strategic Culture website. And Daniel Lazar, who I've debated on both Press TV and my radio show, just revealed this on RT. So uh, $300,000 for contributing to the wrong website. They don't pay well enough uh, to make that a very good deal. Uh, are you intimidated, Mike? Whether I'm intimidated or not is beside the point. The clear point of this is intimidation. You're supposed to be intimidated by this type of intrusion into freedom of the press. This is war on everything that the West has achieved up to this point. All of the freedoms that people fought and died for, all of the freedoms that uh, the United States was based on, uh, the First Amendment, it's all being abolished. And we're creating a world in which every single politician is going to be a proconsul representing and imposing oligarchic interest on the people who voted for. And so, uh, heaven help you if the Strategic Culture Foundation picks up one of your articles and posts it on their website, the Treasury Department goons will be kicking in your door and demanding $300,000. And those of us who write on the Internet are very unlikely to easily be able to pay that fine. So speaking of media control, censorship, and the total insanity that it's reaching now, how about this one where, where Twitter 
has banned or did ban Alex Berenson for saying something that Fauci has now officially admitted, which is that the vaccines have only temporary protective effects and they don't stop transmission. So when Alex said that in his usual kind of sarcastic, uh, snarky way, Twitter kicked him off the platform. But now Fauci's saying the same thing in his uh, bureaucratic uh, way, and I guess that's fine. So Alex Berenson's lawsuit against Twitter uh, just got a big boost. Yeah, well, th- this is old news uh, if you've been involved with the ADL uh, before this time. So you could say something like, uh, uh, the Jews are behind gay marriage, and that would get you kicked off, deplatformed, because that's an awful thing to say. Except, wait a minute, all I'm doing is quoting Amy Dean, a Jewish lady who said it in Tikkun magazine, which is also a Jewish magazine. So it's not a question anymore of any objectivity about the validity of the statement. It's purely a question of who's saying it. Indeed. Who is saying it? That's, that's, that determines whether it's true or not. If Fauci says it is true, if Berenson says the exact same thing, it's false because he's a bad person. And, of course, it, it has to do also with how you spin the facts or what you think of the facts, if you think they're good or bad or whatever. You know, if, if, if you think that the, the fact that the vaccines are only temporary in their protective effects and they don't stop transmission, so those vaccines are really pretty worthless, you're you're a, a bad guy who has to be deplatformed. But if you say, well, yeah, they, they don't. They do protect you for six months, at least, which is really good. And, well, they don't stop transmission, but, hey, at least they protect you, so you should get vaxxed. That's perfectly fine. So it's the same yeah. facts, but you're not allowed to have uh, views about what those facts mean. Yeah. So the, the the paradigm here is the cowboy movie where uh, the cowboy says, they're in the saloon, he says, you rattlesnake. And the guy, the other cowboy says, smile when you say that, partner. <laughs> yeah, so smile at the vaccine when you say that it's uh, only temporary and doesn't stop transmission. Uh, speaking of things you're not allowed to say about the uh, evil virus and the vaccines and so on, which we are allowed to say throughout the entire show this week because we're not broadcasting on YouTube. YouTube has been censoring the crap out of me, so I'm not going to broadcast on YouTube for a while. Certainly not until my strikes evaporate, if they ever do. And if I get kicked off, well, then I'm just going to migrate totally to rumble. Anyway, so here we are speaking freely throughout the entire show. Uh, and what about Biden's new warning that an explosion of COVID is imminent? Is it going to be 30 megaton, 300 megaton? Is, is this going to uh, put up a mushroom cloud? What kind of explosion of uh, this new variant is this? And the funny thing is the new variant that's exploding, the cases are exploding, but the hospitalizations and deaths aren't, meaning it's a mild variant. So we're going to have a huge mild explosion. How afraid should we be, Mike? The the question here is philosophical. Is this performative speech? In other words, I now pronounce you man and wife because someone told him who's going to release this thing uh, that it's going to happen, or is it descriptive, or is it predictive? I think it's perform. I think it's performative because when Biden says it, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen because someone told them they're going to do it. That's what I think. Hmm. Are you, are you suggesting they're deliberately spreading the variant? It's certainly a possibility. It's certainly a possibility. Now, why they wh- why are they doing something that is weak now? Everyone knows it's weak. Uh, I don't. Maybe it spreads faster. I can't uh, give you any insight into that. Why aren't they doing anthrax now? Uh, uh, because that's too dangerous. I, I don't know. I think I think it's it's not contagious enough. 
They need well, something they, contagious so they can mask and lock down everybody and vaccinate right, everybody. Right, right. And they, they deliberately uh, gain, use gain of function to make this more contagious. So that's probably why. Yeah, well, I, I certainly wouldn't put it past them. Although, on the other hand, this variant, if it's mild, as mild as it seems, it could actually theoretically end the pandemic because everybody's going to get it. Uh, the vast majority will survive with uh, their immune systems having been tuned to fight this type of virus. And so it actually might not be such a bad thing. So who knows how it's all going to play out? Nobody knows. Yeah. That's that's why they're pushing the vaccine. They want to wreck your immune system so you don't get natural immunity through uh, Omicron. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. There's a, a story about what these vaccines may be doing to the immune system, which may not int- always be such a good thing. But in the next slide, uh, we learn that um, nearly half of people with COVID never show symptoms. And this actually is probably a, a huge understatement because this is based on the tests that actually happen. People usually don't get tested until they have symptoms. But because there are these testing regimens that have sprung up, uh, a certain number of non-symptomatic people have gotten tested. It turns out, if I'm reading this article correctly, that 40% of the tests uh, are coming up with people who, who are not showing symptoms, which means the real number of asymptomatic people, as the article says, must be much higher than that. So it seems like a, a strong majority of people who actually catch and get infected with COVID-19 never even show any symptoms and have not the slightest idea that they have the disease unless they take a test that tells them so, which is, it's a really very strange and sneaky disease, isn't it? Well, so the, the test is uh, not uh, accurate and the numbers are probably lower than they are. Now, the context here is that I just saw a map of the United States of America and uh, the numbers are really pretty low. The highest uh, vaccination percentages of Vermont was 75%, but that's a very small group of people. The lowest two states are Mississippi and Alabama with 18 and 17% uh, respectively. And then the middle of the country looks like the middle of the the curve too, which is about 50%. Now, I think uh, if what you're saying here is true, then those numbers are inflated. So the numbers are not high. They're not high here in terms of uh, either the disease or the vaccination. And I think that's why they're pressing so desperately. And I think this means that we can see, fear, uh, fear a kind of full court press after Christmas. And this article actually suggests that vaccines themselves may contribute to the higher proportion of asymptomatic infections. Uh, this is a doctor named Wells, an expert who's quoted as saying that uh, because people get vaccinated. Supposedly, it does uh weaken the symptoms of the disease when they catch it. So they don't even know they had it. And because they're vaccinated, they think they're totally protected. They can do anything they want. They go out and spread it. Uh, yet another reason that vaccines obviously are not stopping transmission. Um, but moving on to one of the real serious downsides of these vaccines, which anybody who's paying attention probably should have figured out by now, which is the war on children. That is, vaccinating children is, uh, it really doesn't make any sense from a health standpoint that I can see. But they're still doing it, and they're not only sticking them with these needles, but they're ritually humiliating the ones who are not getting vaccinated. Here in Germany, they have a kind of a show-and-tell, sort of like during the Cultural Revolution or the Stalinist times, where the vaccinated kids get up and say they're vaccinated, they get applauded, and the unvaccinated kids go up and have to explain why they didn't get vaccinated, and not only do they not get applauded, but... Uh, for all I know, uh, there's some dirty looks, and, and I guess next week they're going to start throwing rotten fruit at them. So 
this uh, theater, this pandemic theater is really hard on children. And, and I, there was a story we didn't have this week about uh, supposedly measuring like a 25 point IQ drop in kids during this pandemic. Uh, they're, you know, because of the way they're being mistreated and maybe they're being smothered beneath masks, which might not be good for their brain development. I don't know, but whatever it is, uh, we're, this whole pandemic is like a war on children. I'm working on an article about how we're returning to the battle days of pagan child sacrifice. Uh, your thoughts, Mike? Well, when are they going to erect a statue to little Hans, uh, like little Pavlik? Do you remember little Pavlik? Uh, he informed on his parents in the Soviet Union, uh, his relatives murdered him. Uh, and as a result, uh, he became a martyr in the Soviet Union. Uh, little stat- statues outside of every public school in the Soviet Union, praising little Pavlik because he turned on his parents. Why is Germany doing this? The answer is not the Nazi era. The answer is the American era. And this is proof that these Germans have been totally uh, emasculated by American social engineering. They're totally in the, in the, totally controlled. Their minds are totally controlled by what happens to them after the war. Well, it's worse in Germany and Austria and other European countries than here in the U.S. And why is that? Because the Germans were guilty and they pled guilty to what happened during World War II. They pled guilty, and they internalized the commands of their oppressors. Yeah, it looks that way to me, too. So uh, one more uh, warning sign about vaccinating children is this new study that is apparently um, in preprint process or something at MedRxiv, uh, which is a, a professional journal. I'm not quite sure what level it is, but the study looks pretty concerning, Apparently, these vaccines are reprogramming both the adaptive and innate immune systems, uh, causing immune system dysregulation. And as I understand it, immune system dysregulation regarding inflammatory processes is something that you really don't want. Uh, that's one reason that a steady part of my diet is herbal anti-inflammatories uh, like turmeric with black pepper and uh and, and various other uh, herbs including oregano I, I i have big oregano salads every day in the summer and that's one reason why even though i'm on hip replacements i'm still beating my 26 year old son at one-on-one basketball more often than not uh and i could hardly walk 10 years ago so uh i i totally am on board with this uh, paradigm of trying to avoid dysregulation of the inflammatory part of the immune system uh, and the herbal products do that better than the medical ones. But it looks like these vaccines are messing with uh, both aspects of the immune system. And since the kids have such a really strong innate immune response, then messing with that uh, and in claiming you're protecting them from COVID by doing it seems just diabolically evil. Um, I hope I'm exaggerating. No, it's, it is diabolically evil, but it's good to know this because suddenly it starts to make sense. Suddenly this fanatical campaign to get everyone vaccinated uh, is really about destroying everyone's immune system. And this is like classic drug dealer behavior. OK, the first couple shots are free and then you become addicted and then they, they can charge whatever they want. It's the same thing with these COVID, the vac- vaccination It's free except that your government's paying for it. And then instead of getting addicted to it, your immune system gets wrecked. 
And at that point, you're completely dependent on Pfizer every two months. What's the latest booster shot? You're going to do it, be doing that for the rest of your life as Pfizer accumulates billions and billions of dollars. And at the same time, you lost all of your freedom, all of your independence, and you just now are dependent on Pfizer for what your immune system did uh, because it was created by God for free. Okay. Well, you say you, but uh, that I, I'll be doing that stuff over my dead body, and I hope I don't mean that literally. No, well, I mean one. <laughs> one will be doing this. <laughs> well, in the next slide, we see that uh, a lot of very young and healthy athletes have ended up uh, doing this, and it's now over their dead bodies. Well, three, they've counted, I guess, it's, it's going up all the time, but last I checked, uh, 307 athletic cardiac arrests uh, yeah. of high-profile sports figures, and of them, about half, uh, a little over half, 175 died. Um, and according to the authors of this article, it's definitely not normal for young athletes to suffer from cardiac arrest or die while playing their sport. And this year, it's happening all over the place, and they're speculating that it's the vaccines that are responsible, which wouldn't really surprise me, but it would surprise me if the mainstream admitted that anytime soon. Are, are you telling me it's abnormal for a 25-year-old athlete in the peak of his uh, uh, condition and uh, the peak condition of his life shouldn't just suddenly drop over from a heart attack? Uh, this is crazy. No, it's crazy because that's exactly what's happening. If, it's, it's more, the European news is much more, uh, is better on this regard because they're one article after another. Apparently soccer players are uh, uh, dropping like flies. Uh, and uh, uh, one of those German doctors who just died uh, got beaten to death after he said this. It says it's traceable simply to the graphene oxide because the molecular form of this is like a razor blade. And it causes uh, cuts throughout your vascular system. And the, the more you exercise, in other words, the faster your heart beats, the faster these things go through your system and the more damage they do. Well, I, so I saw that. And, and then that, that uh, German scientist suddenly supposedly ended up dead. And, and we're still trying to figure out whether that's all uh, valid or not. But it's, uh, it's concerning any way you slice it, whether it's spike proteins or razor blades or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's all, it's obviously not every athlete is dropping dead. The majority of big athletes throughout the entire West are vaccinated and, uh, only a few of them are dropping dead. So I guess we should uh, take some small comfort from that, but maybe not enough comfort to rush down and get, get vaccinated. I'm sure glad we can talk freely about this throughout the whole show this week. Uh, thank you to YouTube for censoring me. So we're not broadcasting on YouTube anymore and we've got our free speech back. So the, uh, the other side of this coin is the NFL has had more injuries this year than at any time in its history. That's right. And, and Aaron Rodgers is totally kicking ass and he's the poster boy for the unvaxxed. So maybe that's uh, I'm hoping the Packers win the Super Bowl this year, illustrating that thesis. So well, how about the new normal fascism? Because all, all of this craziness is part of, as you said, Mike, social engineering. And I thought C.J. Hopkins' article about new normal fascism was a really uh, good, eloquent protest against all of this hideous social engineering, which he's right in the middle of. He's living in Berlin, Germany. And as he says, we, uh, the unvaxxed, are now under de facto house arrest. We're banned from society. We're banned from traveling. We're banned from protesting. And our writings are censored. Uh, so it's, it's pretty bad in Berlin. Um, maybe CJ should come back to the free, land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, well, maybe not so much. We're not protesting as much as they are. I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't, I think he's barking up the wrong tree. 
I think we, we need to talk about American social engineering, not a totally defeated ideology that the Germans themselves repudiated. This well, is part he, he, I think he knows that it's it's the U.S. is part of it. He's not he's not uh, excusing us. This this uh, this has been so effective. This Holocaust narrative has been so effective that everyone, whenever they're grasping, trying to come up with some type of epitome of evil, it always ends up being the Nazis. And as a result, it distract. That's what it was created to do: to distract America Americans from the war crimes that their army was committing at this time. And you add into that the other allies like Britain and the Soviet Union, and you got a horrendous number of war crimes that have all been simply eliminated from from consideration, which renders us blind to the real cause of this problem, which is social engineering. We've been conditioned. They tried it out on the Germans. Then they tried it out on us. The CIA has been working on us for all these years, and we're still blind to who's doing it. And that's not a good situation. So maybe fascism is the right. wrong F word to be using here. Right. Okay. Right. Well, let's move back to the United States, uh, the belly of the beast, where the Supreme Court is uh, considering overturning Roe v. Wade. Is that possible? Well, they sent the Texas abortion case back in such a way that they're not gutting this new Texas law, allowing people to more or less uh, enforce the anti-abortion law by suing the uh, abortion practitioners. Uh, what do you think of this, Mike? Are, are we really going to see an overturning of Roe v. Wade? And what is, you know, you're, you're a main, big-time Catholic intellectual. Uh, what, what does the Catholic uh, Church think about this? I think, uh, yes, we are, and, and the vehicle will be states' rights. <clears throat> I think the decision is already in. It's not Texas. It's Mississippi. Yeah. Tex Texas was an ex uh, extraordinary case because that bill was written deliberately to make it virtually impossible to get an abortion or to, 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 to uh, overthrow the law. So that's what these exceptions are in, in this rule. Sotomayor is trying to carry the torch that uh, was passed on to her by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Ruth Bader Ginsburg went to her grave bitterly disappointed that the entire country did not embrace abortion. Uh, they didn't do it. It's never going to happen. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. The Supreme Court cannot simply pretend that uh, these uh, uh, ladies from New York, from Greenwich Village, uh, are ruling the country anymore. It's not going to happen. So in order to keep it for country from breaking out into civil war, they're going to have to go back to states' rights. And that's what they're going to affirm. And well, the state will have the right to ban abortion or limit it or whatever else they want to do. So if you want an abortion, honey, move to New York City. Uh, don't hang around in Mississippi because it's never going to happen there. They're not going to do it. That's what's going to happen. You know, back in the day, Mike, I, I used to think that I supported the sort of liberal Supreme Court justices like William O. Douglas, who were strict uh, constructivists about free speech issues in the First Amendment. But now I'm not so sure if it's the liberal faction that I like. Uh, and, and any like whatever you think about abortion, why? Should the Supreme Court be claiming that the Constitution is saying what states can do or what they can't do about abortion when I don't see that in the Constitution? I do see protection for free speech, which it's, is not being respected. I don't see protection for abortion in the Constitution. It's not there. 
Uh, but it is what happened is that in 65 in Griswold versus Connecticut, those same liberal judges discovered a right to contraception in the Constitution. Well, it's not that's not in the Constitution either. either but uh, the genius Douglas discovered an emanation from a penumbra, mm-hmm. an emanation from a penumbra. Uh, led them to say there was a right to have contraception in the Constitution. I didn't realize he was such a mystic. Oh, yeah. He was uh, mystic when it came to that type of thing. And oh, that, that set the president, precedent that allowed for abortion. That's what, that's how abortion came about. And once that happened, everyone, it went too far. They should have stayed there, but they don't know how to limit themselves. And so once they had abortion, there was a significant segment of the population. Uh, Catholics, among others, a large group who simply would never accept this. They accepted uh, Brown versus school board. That was social engineering, but they felt that there was some type of justice involved in that. This group of people would never see any justice in the ability to murder your offspring. That's always been morally wrong. And all the king's horses and all the king's men and Ruth Bader Ginsburg combined could not make those people think that it was okay. So it's breaking down. And, of course, that's the mainstream Catholic and, to some extent, established religion position on this. Uh, but it's it's one that uh, puts you probably at risk of deplatforming. It's, it's, it's really becoming interesting how, how the commissars of correctness have turned the left liberal positions into the ones that you're not allowed to question. And not only uh, are, are you not allowed to question things anymore, but the Supreme Court isn't allowed to notice that abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution because they're going to pack the court to try to reverse that. That's what Elizabeth Warren is suggesting, and she's not the only one. Well, I, I agree with Elizabeth Warren on various things, including her uh, slight distaste for billionaires uh, stealing more and more of our money. But I don't know about this packing the court. So if the Democrats pack the court this year to overturn the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and then the Republicans repack it next year so they can overturn the overturning of the overturning, pretty soon the population of the Supreme Court justices is going to be greater than the population of the Washington, D.C. area. And where are they all going to live? That's right. That's right. What you're talking about here is the the collapse of the left, the traditional left. And it's basically the sexualization of the left where uh, uh, accomplished by people like Michel Foucault were basically give us liberation and we won't talk about your wretched economic system. So she's part of both of that. She's got a, a throwback to the old economic left with the overlay of the new sexual left. And it's completely incoherent. And everybody, uh, the best meme I saw on this was Elon Musk spanking uh, Senator Warren uh, for saying something, this for wanting to pack the Supreme Court. Hmm. I don't know about that image, but uh, in the next slide, uh, let's move on to more, uh, even more unpleasant things. Gavin Newsom. Uh, take Gavin Newsom, please. At a press conference at the Stem Cell Clinic in Mexico, where he's being treated for vaccine-induced facial tics. Facial tics. Gavin Newsom uh, was able to pull his face muscles back together and announce that he is inspired by this Supreme Court decision and the Texas anti-abortion law. And he thinks that anti-abortion law in Texas is so wonderful that he's going to try to adopt the law's novel enforcement mechanism, which allows private citizens uh, from anywhere in the country to bring civil suits against uh, Texas abortion providers. He's going to do the same thing to gun providers. So, hey, these uh, these Democrats are getting creative in their response to the Supreme Court revisiting Roe v. Wade. Yeah, well, the big question is, did Adam, uh, did uh, Governor Newsom steal that referendum? Did he, was it rigged? 
and if it was, he can do whatever he damn well pleases because he's the tyrannical uh, uh, governor of California for life. Uh, but the question is, um, is this going to be decided on its merits? It won't be decided in California. And I just don't see it. I don't see it. Don't see it happening because he's saying there's some type of parity between abortion and gun control. And there isn't. There is not. The thing that has kept abortion alive for all these issues alive for all these years is the fact that everybody understands that you're taking a human life. Buying a gun is not the same as pulling the trigger on the gun. Okay, Uh, abortion always takes a human life. It's always an innocent human being that cannot defend himself. So if Newsom sees some type of parity here, he's crazy. Okay. well, he's also declaring California a sanctuary state for abortions and they're they're opening up for business and they're probably going to turn it into a very lucrative business model. Uh, California vacation, abortion vacation, just like he's having a a stem cell treatment for vaccine injury vacation at one of the most expensive resorts in the world down in Mexico. Um, Let's move on to uh, Trump world back to Washington, D.C., where Mark Meadows is now under indictment, I guess. Uh, that is the House committee that's investigating the January 6th so-called insurrection is holding him in contempt. And uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon and Meadows could face up to a year behind bars for contempt of Congress. Well, a lot of people feel a lot of contempt for Congress. And fortunately, we're not all behind bars. This is uh, right out of the, again, the same playbook, the the post-World War II narrative, it was called the Nuremberg trial, uh, where you had victor's justice. And that's this type. Of, it's completely politically motivated. This whole so-called insurrection was basically Trump supporters who felt that the election had been stolen and they felt that they had a right to assemble because it was guaranteed in the Constitution. They felt they had freedom of speech. And then when they got to the Capitol, they were let in by the FBI, who was running this whole operation as a false flag operation. So I don't see it going anywhere. It may not have been quite that stark, but maybe pretty close. Uh, certainly, uh, I, I think there was a spy versus spy game going on around that coup attempt, and I think both sides were mounting a certain a coup attempt in a certain sense. We don't ha- really ha- do elections anymore. We do coups. I mean, the CIA is in charge of all this stuff, right? So uh, speaking of Trump administration news, uh, how about Trump versus Bibi? We always thought Trump and Bibi were good buddies and Bibi called the shots, but it turns out that there was a little bit of tension in that loving relationship between these two psychopaths. Uh, we now uh, learn from a book by an ex-Trump aide that Netanyahu was willing to fight Iran to the last U.S. soldier, according to Donald Trump. And then in the next slide, we have another version of the story uh, about how Trump was mad at Bibi because Bibi didn't help kill General Soleimani uh, and almost start World War III uh, with the uh, resources that he thought. I, I don't know what the details are. And Trump says the details will come out. But apparently something fishy was going on with that U.S.-Israeli collaboration in murdering General Soleimani and nearly starting World War III. So uh, it's uh, it's all it's all very interesting, but none of this changes the fact that Trump was a slave to Israel during his presidency, did everything that the most insane and obscene extremists uh, in Israel wanted him to do. And so now we find out that he had a little quarrel with his lover, Bibi. Well, uh, I'm still not very impressed with Trump. How about you? Well, Ben Franklin said experience keeps an expensive school, but fools will learn in no other. 
So the question is, is Donald Trump going to learn in the expensive school of uh, experience that you can't trust the Israelis to represent anything but Israeli interests? And every relationship is going to be an exploitative relationship. Uh, and Trump is a man who takes loyalty very seriously. And here was Netanyahu jumping out in front of everyone, recognizing Joe Biden. Uh, the same Netanyahu, by the way, who welcomed Jonathan Pollard on the tarmac, on the tarmac after Sheldon Adelson's plane flew him over after Donald Trump pardoned him. Uh, you took a hit, Donald, from that. Uh, and now uh, Bibi's uh, laughing at you. So are you going to learn from that experience? Or if you get reelected, if you run again, are you still going to run on the Israel first platform that was de facto the platform foreign policy of the uh, Trump administration uh, after 2016? That's the question. Well, the only difference between the Democrats and the Republicans these days is that the Republicans do everything Israel tells them to do, as Trump did. The Democrats do almost everything Israel tells them to do. But every once in a while, they draw the line somewhere. And right now, allegedly, uh, Biden and his folks are drawing the line against handing KC-46 uh, refueling tanker planes to Israel so Israel could go and blow up Iran. Uh, the U.S. knows that this would not be in our interest and probably not even in Israelis' interest. So uh, the Israelis are throwing a big tantrum. They want to attack Iran with or without U.S. permission. And uh, the U.S., which hands Israel virtually everything it asks for, may be dragging its feet, at least according to these reports. Well, are we going to do Iraq, too? Except this time, there are going to be a lot more uh, dead, a lot more body bags full of Americans coming back if they decide to invade Iran. Netanyahu has been trying to get America to beat up Iran for over 20 years now. Uh, is anyone going to learn from this? Is Donald Trump going to learn from it? Maybe this is a sign that somebody's waking up uh, at the Pentagon. So, so Israel uh, so it was behind so much nasty stuff. I think they, it, as Lauren Guyano showed, they played a big role in the JFK assassination, the RFK assassination, uh, 9-11. And uh, they want to start a big war with Iran that could explode into World War III. They were behind the 9-11 wars that killed so many people, up to 30 million, according to Gideon Paglia, and wreaked such havoc on the whole world and the U.S. economy. And now they are leading a simulated cyber attack on the global financial system. So all these other nations are going to Jerusalem and kowtowing to the Israelis as the Israelis show what they're planning to do or threatening to do if you don't give us everything we want, which is to bring down the entire global financial system through fiber ter cyber terrorism. Uh, you got to love those Israelis. So this is like they're going to put a gun to their head and say, uh, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to pull the trigger. I mean, who controls the global financial system? It's like the Samson, Samson option. The financial well, wait Samson a minute. Why, why are you destroying uh, uh, basically the most lucrative Jewish operation in the world? Why are you doing that? So, so, so you think they're, they're bluffing? Well, why would they destroy their own uh, financial empire? Why would they do that? Good point. So, yeah, it probably is a bluff. But unfortunately, with the, with the Israelis, they, they seem to get away with those bluffs uh, over and over and over. Nobody ever calls them on their bluffs. Uh, somebody did over in Seattle, Washington. Well, Redmond, Washington, to be exact, that's a suburb of Seattle. Palestine was not erased because somebody called the Zionist bluff. Uh, some Arab artists were doing a calligraphy exhibit for their winter festival, 
And Remember Palestine uh, was part of this calligraphy exhibit. Beautiful Christmas light. Remember Palestine. Put that on your Christmas tree and smoke it. And then a local Zionist complained and demanded that Palestine be erased. And the uh, authorities of this festival insisted that it be erased. So dutifully, the uh, the Arab calligraphers erased Palestine. But word trickled out, people got mad, and pretty soon there was enough political pressure that they they were forced to unerase Palestine. So someday that'll happen in a big way, and Palestine will be unerased from the map of the world. Yes, and it will probably come about because the Israelis and the Jews always overplay their hand. And that's what they're doing right now. They have a very weak hand. I don't know where we're going to talk about these things later on. Uh, it's all running together in my mind, but they just attacked Fox News for having a cartoon of George yeah, that's, Soros. That's, that's our next slide here. Okay. Just, yeah. Okay. Now, okay. Now we're having a, a, a mission creep here where words you're not allowed to say keep proliferating and proliferating. So it's not so much now that uh, Soros is a Jew. You're saying, no, we're just saying Soros. All they're saying is Soros, that one word. And that's a sign that you're an anti It's a trope. The word Soros is a trope. It's a, yeah, it's a trope. Well, God save us. What, what isn't a trope? He should change his name legally and call himself George Trope. We, uh, uh, I think, I think the ADL is really overplaying its hand. Uh, uh, this is another example of that. Uh, it happened in, uh, Germany, uh, Cardinal Mark, uh, Cardinal Miller, sorry, uh, who was, uh, formerly a, 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 a man who defends the Catholic faith, who was head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, said, announced that this COVID thing is really psychological, biological warfare aimed at the world population, and it was run by people like uh, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, and Soros. As soon as he said Soros, the meter went off the charts, and they started accusing uh, Mueller of being an anti-Semite, which may he may be prosecuted for saying the word Soros because it's Germany. Well, the ADL says, as we have told Fox News numerous times, casting a Jewish individual as a puppet master who manipulates national events for malign purposes conjures up long-standing anti-Semitic tropes about Jewish power. So <laughs> don't well, ever we say know, we that know, about people who we, actually do uh, manipulate right. events for their malign purposes. Yeah, well, we know that Soros does this, so then that casts doubt. Well, maybe it's been happening in the past, too. The, the, the ADL just opened that can of worms all by itself. No, it's, it's only goys who manipulate events for malign purposes, never Jews, right? I mean, you're not allowed to say it if it's a Jew who does it. But if a goy who does, you can say it. That's that's the rule. Um, better follow it. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. Okay, so moving from anti-Semitism watch to Islamophobia watch. Uh, Ilhan Omar got called a member of the Jihad Squad by Lauren Bubert or Bubert or whatever her name is. And uh, Republican Congressman Scott Perry accused Omar of being an anti-Semitic terrorist. And Ilhan Omar got her revenge by pushing through a State Department uh, office that's now going to be opened up to address anti-Muslim bias. Mike, do you think that that new anti-Islamophobia branch of our State Department is going to be reopening 9-11 to prove that it was actually the enemies of Muslims rather than Muslims that did 9-11. That would actually go a long way towards solving the Islamophobia problem, but I'm not expecting that to happen anytime soon. No, it's not going to happen. This is ridiculous. 
Uh, it may, may very well get an office. It won't do anything, but uh, that will pacify that constituency, make uh, Ms. Omar feel good. But it's, there's no power behind it. It's just not there. Not going to happen. As opposed to the Treasury Department, which is completely owned by the Israelis, and they can run around uh, threatening to jail and fine people for doing anything Israel doesn't like. But somehow I don't think this anti-Islamophobia office is going to have that kind of power or well, clout. Put- Put all of those Muslims into the Treasury. Put them into the sanctions office. Kick out. Is Stuart Eisenstadt still there? Uh, uh, he was a notorious looter in the Treasury sanction department of the Treasury. That, that would be a real move. That would be significant. Put the, the Muslims in charge of the sanctions office at the Treasury Department. Hey, uh, Allahu Akbar, I'm ready to take charge of that <laughs> office myself. <laughs> So please write to your congressman. Tell him to appoint Kevin Barrett, uh, the leading 9-11 truth or Muslim head of the Treasury Department sanctions office. And boy, am I ever going to sanction some Zionist ass. Okay, moving on to moral subversion. Uh, moral subversion. That's a long list uh, usually. And, and, and this week, what are our good our moral subversion stories? Well, the top EU court rules that all two, all, all member nations, all 26 or whatever member nations of the EU must legally recognize same-sex parents and their children. So when these two women were registered by Spanish authorities as two mothers of a baby on the baby's birth certificate, which apparently means that each woman took turns carrying the baby in their wombs. Uh, I'm not sure how the handoff worked there, but hey, uh, <laughs> you know, science is amazing these days. Uh, anyway, this looks to me to be sort of evidence that we're living in a civilization of biology deniers. The idea that babies are born from two mothers at once. I don't quite, I, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> then they, it's not true. It's not true. They're born from two you're, fathers you're, at <laughs> once. And the proof of this is Pete Buttigieg. And go. look at that uh, picture of him next to Chaston. These two dudes. In a hospital bed, they got that plastic bracelet on, and uh, they're pretending that they somehow gave birth to a baby. Wait a minute, where's the mommy here? That doesn't work. And not only that, Pete is taking maternity leave during the biggest supply chain crisis in modern history uh, because, because of what? You're not and, taking and they're care talking of that about kid. running him for president again. That's right. Good luck on that one. Good luck on that one. Oh boy, what a world we're living in. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's all so strange and so different from the one I grew up in, uh, even in, you know, in the, in the 60s. Uh, things weren't quite this crazy. They were crazy in a different way. So how about, uh, Gislaine, Rizlane, Islane, whatever the heck you, you want to call her, uh, that Maxwell woman? Uh, she's daddy's girl, according to Whitney Webb, who just published this great article, which is an extract from Whitney Webb's book, apparently. Uh, about how the whole Maxwell family is one big Israeli spying operation. And yet uh, the media will not mention that when they cover her trial, right? If she's on trial for uh, debauching children with Jeffrey Epstein, and the whole trial has actually sealed everything around the issue of blackmail. It's never come up. It's been hidden. And they've, fi- they've sealed uh, virtually everything. It'll never come out in public about what was really going on. So why do you think it is, Mike, that the fact that Jeffrey Epstein and this Maxwell uh, woman were lifelong Israeli assets whose job was to collect dirt on Western uh, leaders uh, to be used for blackmail purposes by Israel, that this is has being completely suppressed, not only from our media, but even from the trial itself? The short answer to the question is because the judge is a Jewish lesbian. 
Why why do we have why do we have Jewish lesbians like Dana Nessel uh, as attorney general? What is the purpose of these lesbians to do what they're told to represent the interest of the oligarchs? Now, we had a case where that judge, that courageous judge in Kenosha stood up for the rule of law. That takes moral courage to do that. OK, if your whole life is devoted to the subversion of the moral law, you are not going to have that courage and you will simply do what you were told. And that's why it's important to have a whole cadre of lesbians, Jewish or not, to fill uh, uh, court positions, judgeships uh, like this one, to ensure that nothing that the oligarchs don't want to talk about will ever come out in the trial. Well, this is a great article about how the Maxwell family uh, has been spying for Israel since Israel was created in 1948, and uh, Robert Maxwell officially became an Israeli spy in 1961. Then he was elected a labor MP in the UK in 1964. So he's an Israeli spy, and he's a UK labor MP. Uh, and I didn't know that he's he's like a, a capo of Semyon Megillevich, uh, the kosher Nostra kingpin, who some think is the most powerful man on earth right now. Um, he's, Maxwell was also involved in the Promise software scandal, where they managed to plant Israeli software in NSA, CIA, FBI, USG uh, computers so they could spy on everybody in advance of 9-11 and make sure that there wouldn't be any pushback on their 9-11 coup d'etat. And that's just uh, a little bit of what you'll find in this article. It's, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, and speaking of <laughs> what are we J- Jewish women who, who pimp uh, other young women. How about Polly Adler? And unlike Maxwell, Polly Adler is being openly celebrated in the Jewish press, including in this article from the Jewish Daily Forward. Uh, Polly Adler was an immigrant from Belarus, and that area had suffered much anti-Semitic violence. So this is a heroic story how she came to New York and opened her first bordello in 1920. It was frequented by rich and notable politicians, gangsters, businessmen, celebrities, and journalists in New York. And so she collected blackmail material on them, just like uh, just Lane Maxwell was doing more recently. Uh, and this is all wonderful. Uh, this article is celebrating this mobster uh, woman blackmailing people for Jewish organized crime. Uh, she was close to Arnold Rothstein, Meyer Lansky, and uh, and others. Uh, so this this whole story it's it's weird how the Jewish press is actually really proud of their degenerate gangsters. And I think they're maybe even proud of Maxwell and Epstein. They just can't admit it. Smile when you say that partner. (laughs) This is uh, the, the, uh, in the 19th century, the Jews had worked out a system uh, involving prostitution and money lending. So the, the naive uh, Lord of uh, aristocrat comes to places like Paris uh, they start uh, circulating uh, him among prostitutes. He pisses away all his money and up, oh, we can lend you money. It's the same operation that we saw, uh, this type of operation, same type of thing. The biggest uh, Jewish prostitution ring ever was uh, Tzvi Migdal, and that was run in Argentina. This lady's generation, a little bit older than that, but it started off at the turn of the 20th century, uh, where Argentinians, they were bringing Jewish girls in and then suddenly turning them into prostitutes after they thought they were come here to be cleaning ladies. So it's, it's nothing new here. Nothing new. Okay, well, moving on to another topic that we're not allowed to talk about, uh, mask hysteria. This week, the CIA... CEOs of American Airlines and Southwest Airlines, that would be Doug Parker and Gary Kelly, testified before Congress 
that they don't think that we need mask mandates on airplanes. And Steve Kirsch, uh, who puts out a great Substack blog, linked to the article that he just updated about why, well, he says masks don't work and points to all sorts of evidence that I don't know if it proves that masks don't work, but it certainly does prove that nobody has proved that masks do work. So given the fact that there's no proof that they work, uh, these mandates do seem a bit odd. And uh, whether we need them on airplanes is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, so when are these people going to realize that it is not their, in their interest to impose the oligarch mandate on the airlines that they run? This is not in their interest. So at a certain point, you're going to have to wake up and say, no, we're not going to do it. The same thing is true of pilots. The same thing is true of basically every business here. They have created their own labor shortage by uh, doing this oligarchic uh, mandate. Now, it may very well be part of the plan that they wreck uh, the airlines that we use because the masters of the universe have their own airline. It's called NetJets, and it's run by Warren Buffett. There are others, but that, that's the main one. In terms of number of airplanes, that will soon be the biggest airline in the world. So the plan may be to get these useful idiots, CEOs, to go along with the plan to wreck their own airlines. Okay, so I guess despite what the CEOs think, you're still going to have to wear that mask when you're flying at 30,000 feet in an airliner. But if you're a big old fat guy with a beard flying in a sleigh, uh, you better wear that mask for sure, because if not, you're going to be arrested and brutalized by the police. And that's just what happened here in Germany. Um, Santa Claus was wrestled to the ground and dragged off by police officers for the crime of not wearing a mask. And he was, he, he protested, hey, it's just as good as a mask for filtering out viruses. My beard here. I'm breathing through my beard. Here's the scientific proof, officer. Ho, ho, ho. Ow, ow, ow. Stop beating up Santa. So they took him to the roof of the jail and stuffed him right on down the chimney. Is this how Santa Claus is being treated in our civilization today? Uh, it's disgusting. What do you think, Mike? It's Germany. It's Germany. And we've already talked about Germany. We have to, Germans are going to have to come to some type of understanding of why they're doing something this stupid. It's going to have to be a, a real, what, a Vergangenheit's Bewältigung, a real mastery of the past because they didn't do it after World War II. They have yet to do it. Why are you guys now the laughing stock of the entire world by doing this type of stuff? You better look into it. It's time. Well, I wouldn't put it past uh, Americans for being stupid enough to arrest and beat up Santa for not wearing a mask, too, the way things are going in this country. But uh, hopefully that won't happen this holiday season. And we wish everybody a, a wonderful, happy, uh, lockdown-free uh, holiday season where the gift of freedom will help us revitalize the country. Maybe giving people copies of RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, for Christmas wouldn't be a bad idea for those in our audience who celebrate Christmas by gift-giving, which isn't my Muslim custom myself, but I still send RFK Jr.'s book to all of the idiots in my extended family who need to read it. Uh, and, and maybe you should, too, and then vote for him in the next presidential election like I did in the last one. Okay, that's our PSA for the day. Thank you so much, E. Michael Jones. Love doing the show with you. I love all your work. Uh, keep it up. God bless, uh, and stay out of Germany. Thank you. Okay, good night. Auf Wiedersehen.